can uh, grab your Bible and flip to Philippians chapter 4. Um, we are a Bible church. We love to study the Bible, and so you're going to need one of those. And in the back, there is a table full of Bibles if you don't have one. Uh, because generally we don't put scriptures on the screen because we want you to see it for yourself in your copy of the scriptures. So open up your Bible, uh, find Philippians uh, chapter 4, and I got to tell you, I am anxious to talk to you about anxiety today. Um, that's what we're going to talk about. There's actually this uh, Christmas, uh, it's kind of been branded as a Christmas verse in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, where it says, For unto us a child is born, and to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So why... Whenever uh, Jesus comes into the world, is he uh, given this title, Prince of Peace? Well, I think it's because even now, more than ever, do uh, people suffer with some sort of anxiety disorder or uh, wrestling with anxiety. Actually, there's one study that showed that... um, that anxiety disorders are the most common mental illness in the United States, affecting over 40 million people in the U.S. over 18. And then there's all types of surveys surveying younger people that say, I saw one that said um, that younger people feel like uh, anxiety and depression, uh, 70% say it's a major problem in their life. And, uh, and so we struggle with uh, worry and anxiety and being anxious. And so that's why to the weary world does he send a prince of peace. Have you ever experienced anxiety or a panic attack? Maybe you know what it feels like, tightness in your chest. Maybe your heart was racing, mind panicking, fast breathing, feeling lightheaded or dizzy, pins and needles, feeling restless, unable to sit still, etc. There's plenty of symptoms of anxiety, all of which are unpleasant. Actually, the reason why I chose this text out of the reading, I mean, we read uh, in Philippians and in Hebrews this week, and the reason I chose this passage is because this is actually something that I've been struggling with lately. I uh, wouldn't consider myself an anxious person, never have been. Uh, I'm married to someone who uh, struggles with anxiety. I never understood it uh, until more recently. It seems like it comes out of nowhere. What is this? Um, If you've ever had a panic attack, you never want that to happen again. And so i got to confess... The passage today that I chose is kind of selfish. I wanted a solution. And so I said, let's study this. Is there a solution? Is there some help, some hope with this? This isn't just hypothetical for me. I also want you to know uh, that I am not a medical professional. Shocker, I know. Okay. 
Um, and, and so therefore, I am not coming at this from like a physiological perspective. I'm coming at this from a spiritual and biblical perspective. And, uh, and so there's a ton of places we could go today, but today we're just going to go to what does Philippians 4 say about it. So let's jump in, read it, and we'll pray and ask the Lord uh, to use this time. Philippians chapter 4, verse uh, 4 through 9. Are you there? Are you ready? All right, here we go. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. And the God of peace will be with you. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together, church. Father in heaven, Lord, I I thank you, God, for gathering us together to, um, to study your word together, to hear from you, Lord, through your scripture. Father, I thank you that in a world filled with worry and anxiety and sadness and depression, God, that you you bring hope and life, that you came as the Prince of Peace. And Lord, I pray that uh, as we study your word, that we would find hope and healing, that we find help, God, that you would give peace to anxious hearts today. I pray that you would give us understanding Help us to receive from you, and I pray that you'd guide my words, Lord, that I would only say what is true. Help us, Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, the key verse uh, in the passage today, probably the one that maybe you have uh, memorized or most familiar with, is verse 6 and 7, where he says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything... By prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So he says, do not be anxious about anything. Um, Do not be anxious. He's not saying, do not be anxious or concerned for those you love. I mean, there is somewhat of a healthy anxiety, or the word anxiety can also be used as uh, to show concern. Um, Uh, The Apostle Paul spoke of his anxiety for all the churches that he planted. And this wasn't negative or sinful. This was uh, appropriate concern for those you love. And so if you actually love anyone, you will have some level of anxiety or concern for them. Uh, That's not really what he's uh, going against here. This word anxious uh, is the idea of being torn to pieces, pulled in different directions. One Bible uh, dictionary says it's a part as opposed to the whole, properly to be drawn in opposite directions, divided into parts. It means just to go to pieces. 
because you're being pulled apart in different directions. So this anxiety is one where you're torn up, where you are torn apart, where you're overwhelmed by something. This is not just a level of concern. Anxiety is the opposite of peace. Okay, so here, here's, we have these two contrasting ideas in the text. Do not be anxious for everything, but the peace of God will be with you. Anxiety is the opposite of peace. God doesn't want us to be anxious. It's not God's will for us. There's not one thing that God wants you to be anxious about. He says, "Do be anxious for nothing. Do not be anxious about anything. And this is a command. This is not a suggestion. This is not like some good advice. This is a command of the Lord. Do not be anxious about anything. I think one of the things that I, I'm um, grieved by in our modern society is our ability to own a certain things that God doesn't want us to have. In the, so anxiety is one of them where we take maybe too much ownership over anxiety. We, we say things like, this is my anxiety, my anxiety. And this is, I mean, this is language that I've used too. It's kind of the best language we know how to use, but it's uh, where we, you know, it's my anxiety. It's like, a, it's like my little pet, my little anxiety pet. Or we say things like, this, this makes me anxious. This circumstance makes me anxious. What you're doing makes me anxious. But really, circumstances don't cause anxiety. They expose anxiety. How, how come you can have two people who experience the same exact event, and one responds with anxiety, and one responds with peace? One time when I was a a young driver, teenage driver, where me and my sister were in my little 97 Honda Civic, and we were driving down the road, and I see this gigantic buck uh, on the side of the road, and I slowed down to about 25 miles an hour, because I'm like, who knows what this guy's going to do, and sure enough, he waits till you're just close enough, and then runs in front of the street, I hit this deer, it comes all the way up onto the windshield, so back off, hits the ground, and runs off. I wanted to hit it again because it was so big. It's like, you already did the damage, but it ran off, and I didn't get it. But in that moment, as we hit that deer, my sister, uh, my younger sister who was with me, she's sitting next to me. She's screaming the entire time. Ah! 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 I am not making a noise. Wow. <laughs> Wasn't that exciting? You know, and then pulled into the gas station and checked out the damage. How come it is that we can have two exact, that's a silly example, but you know what I'm talking about. Two identical circumstances. One person responds with anxiety and one person responds with uh, peace. I think it's because a lot of times circumstances don't necessarily cause things but expose things. Now, I want to... Uh, be careful here because I'm not talking about traumatic events in your life. Um, there, there are some traumatic things that you can experience in life that could cause an anxiety disorder that you're not necessarily choosing and you're trying to struggle with and get healing from. 
Um, I'm not talking about that. I'm not even talking about there is also such a thing where you can have micro traumas over your life that never get dealt with and they build up over time in your body and then begin to manifest eventually maybe as an anxiety disorder. I'm not talking about that. So I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the normal circumstances of our life that we respond to with either worry and anxiety or peace. This anxiety or worry is rooted in a lack of trust. You don't trust God to provide for what it is that you're anxious about or to protect you or to guide you or to come through for you and you're, having, you're struggling with trust. And one of the ways we know this is because when Jesus taught in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus taught about anxiety and worry. He said, don't, be, don't worry about the things of life, what you'll eat or what you'll drink or what you'll wear. Don't worry about tomorrow. Look, the birds, they don't worry. Every day they get up singing. They're just rejoicing in the Lord every day. And, uh, and, and, and they don't have stockpiles. They don't have any retirement. They don't have a 401k, but they're happy, these birds. Don't I care more about you than the birds or the flowers? So don't worry, he says. And in that passage, in chapter 6, verse 30 of Matthew, he says, Oh, you of little faith. Don't you trust me to take care of you? A lot of times our anxiety is rooted in uh, mistrust, not trusting God to take care. Anxiety is rooted in fear. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of worried about what will happen, kind of thinking about the negative uh, scenarios that could occur. But in 2 Timothy 2.17, or 2.7, he says, I just completely butchered that reference. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, I have not given you a spirit of fear, um, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And so his, his spirit in us is one of a sound mind, and he doesn't want us to be riddled with fear and anxiety. Anxiety is a divided or distracted mind, as the de definition indicates earlier, that when you're pulled in too many directions, you might get anxious. Maybe you know the scenario, you're cooking dinner, you're on the phone, You've got the TV on. You've got two of your kids wrestling in the distance. One of your kid at your feet wanting a treat. Mommy, 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 mommy. And then you're like, ah! I'm overstimulated, right? And it's because you're being pulled. And so your mind is having to think about 15 different things at the same time. You're like, I don't know what to do. That's what, that's what anxiety comes from whenever you're being pulled, distracted, is what happened in the life of Mary and Martha. In Luke chapter 10, Jesus uh, records this brief story. In Luke 10, verse 38, it says, Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. She said um, she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted. There's kind of that idea of distracted, divided, being pulled. She was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, 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 Martha. You are anxious. And troubled about many things. 
But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken from her. Mary was at peace at the feet of Jesus while Martha was anxious about serving Jesus. Martha was doing great things. Well, the bad things she was doing, but she was pulled in so many different directions. We have the same sisters, same family, same house, and different levels of peace. Circumstances are the same. One's at peace in the presence of Jesus. The other's anxious, looking to do all these things for Jesus. So what should I do whenever I am anxious? What should I do? Well, here's five things, how to overcome anxiety, five things that we see in the text. These are things that you can put into practice today to begin to uh, gain healing from anxiety. The first one is praise the Lord always. Let's go back to verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. So praise the Lord, rejoice. Rejoice is joy expressed. See, joy transcends circumstances. He says, rejoice in the Lord when? Always. Rejoice in the Lord always. It transcends circumstances. So happiness, now I've, I've contrasted this. I've, I've phrased it freshly for you today. Happiness is temporary delight in the comfort of pleasant circumstances. Happiness is temporary delight in the comfort of pleasant circumstances. Joy is eternal and supernatural delight in the comfort of your Savior. And so you can have joy in the midst of sadness. He's not saying you're not going to experience sadness or grief or difficulty. He's not saying life is not going to be hard and overwhelming. But he's saying in the midst of all that, I can have a delight in the comfort of my Savior through it. The opposite of joy is hopelessness and depression. And since we have a hope in our eternal future, we can rejoice regardless of the difficult challenges in life. And so anxiety has kind of built into it a sense of hopelessness, a bleakness, and you can't be hopeless and joyful at the same time. So whenever you begin to praise God and rejoice in who he is and what he's done for you, you begin to sense uh, relief because your mind is set on the goodness of the Lord and who he is and taken away necessarily from the difficulty of your circumstances. Now, you might not be able to create joy. Joy is kind of supernatural. It's a gift of God. It's something that he bestows on us who believe. But you can control your rejoicing because rejoicing is expressing joy. And so joy is not meant to be held. It's meant to be expressed. Rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. I was the only one. Me and you, babe, we're together on this. <laughs> Let's try this again. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. All right, all right. I think this is just an indication we need to bring back Sunday school. All you guys, you guys have not. Uh, anyways, rejoice in the Lord. And secondly, um, um, be pleasant to everyone. Be pleasant to everyone. Look at verse 5. Let your reasonableness... 
be known to everyone, the Lord is at hand. Let your reasonableness, reasonableness, some translations say gentleness, forbearing spirit, considerate spirit. This is how you treat others. So be pleasant, patient with everyone. See, anxiety can cause us to be short and impatient with others. It causes us to be self-focused and we can become unpleasant with those around us because we are so stressed and anxious about things that we're going through. And he's saying, don't fall into that. You've got to be careful. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone, believers and unbelievers alike. How you treat everyone should be pleasant. That there's something about putting others first that takes your mind off of yourself and helps you overcome an anxious spirit. And he says, the reason you do this, let your reasonableness be made known to everyone. He says this, because the Lord is at hand. The Lord is at hand. Now there's some uh, conversation around, is he talking about that the Lord is near? Like his presence is near? Um, I think he communicates that later, so maybe not that. The other, the other thing that is probably more predominant is that the Lord is coming back soon. The Lord is at hand. The Lord is, his return is soon. His return is near. And um, so he's saying, live, be pleasant to everyone, live as though he can return at any moment because uh, he can. And there's also something about the reality of of turning our minds to Christ's coming that gives us hope for our current situation. That he's coming back. And there, there's going to be a day where there'll be an end to all the pain and all the worry and all the stress and chaos and difficulty and sadness. And I can find comfort and peace in knowing no matter how hard it gets, this is temporary. This is the truth that has comforted Christians throughout the ages. And no matter how hard it gets, he's coming back. He's coming back. This is temporary. So we need to um, praise the Lord always and be pleasant to everyone. And the third thing is to pray about everything. Pray about everything. Back to verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. He gives a few different, he kind of tells us how to pray. He tells us to pray and then tells us how to pray. So he says, pray about everything. Pray, this word is just general communication with God. And how should we pray? He says, pray about everything. See, God would, see, sometimes we think like, like there's some things we shouldn't pray about, like you're maybe embarrassed. It seems, it seems weird to pray about, but, but God would rather have to shut you up than twist your arm to talk. Even the stuff that you think is silly, bring it to God. If it's worth worrying about, it's worth praying about. So bring it to God, all of it, everything. 
Maybe you need to make a list of the things that you're anxious about. Maybe you haven't even sat down and thought about why is it, oh, my soul, why are you downcast within me? Why is it that I am feeling this way? And begin to list out the things that you're anxious about and just say, God, I'm anxious about my kids. I'm I'm anxious about my finances. I'm anxious about my job. I, I am anxious about my health or my marriage. I'm anxious about my loved ones who don't know the Lord. I'm anxious about my future. God, I am anxious. Help me. And, and bring it to God in prayer. And so he says, pray about everything uh, and supplication. So prayer is general communication with God. Supplication is pleading or petition. It's praying earnestly. Supplication is heartfelt petition arising out of deep personal need. It's personal and it's urgent. So supplication is not, I'm just shooting up like arrow prayers to God. It's like, well, I'm driving, I'm going to say, God, would you help me with that? And then, oh, he didn't take my anxiety. Oh, darn, it didn't work. That's not supplication. Supplication is slow and earnest and continual. It's a petition. This is the idea of getting on your knees in your prayer closet, in prayer to God. Pleading with him earnestly. Have you ever prayed until you had peace? You ever been been anxious? You, You pray, but have you ever stayed in prayer until the peace of God came over you? You might say, um, no, that, that will take forever. Exactly. Exactly. And this is what he's getting at. He's like, don't, it's, it, when I say pray about everything, if when I say that helps your anxiety, I'm not just saying shoot up little prayers. I'm saying get alone with God, get in the presence of God, commune with God, petition God continually until he brings help. So he goes on and says, uh, with thanksgiving. So pray about everything and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. So now we're praying with gratefulness, not grumbling. Notice that the the thankfulness uh, is listed before the request. So he's like, be thankful before you request things from God. Now, now why are we to be thankful before? Well, it's because um, thankfulness demonstrates an attitude of trust in God to do what is right with the request you will make. It's, it's saying, um, if God says no, or if God says not now, or if God says yes, but not in how you thought, that I um, am okay with that. That I am thankful for whatever God chooses to do in answer to my prayer because I trust that he is good. Just like the great theologian, Garth Brooks once said, Sometimes I thank God for unanswered prayer. 
right? Sometimes I thank God for unanswered prayer because sometimes it's the best thing for you. And so we pray with thanksgiving, with thankfulness, because we trust God will work all things. It's believing not just in the truism that we're all familiar with, but in the reality of Romans 8.28, which says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to His purpose. So it's believing in that reality, not just the little truism, but in the reality that God is, do I really trust that God is actually working all things, even these difficult things in my life together for my good? Because whenever you have that in mind, you can then pray with thanksgiving. I once heard Tim Keller say this, God says, when a child of mine makes a request, I always give that person what he or she would have asked for if they knew everything I know. So thanksgiving is believing that God knows more than me and he's going to do the right thing with what I ask. And so I'm thankful. And then he says, with thanksgiving, make your requests known. So make your requests known. Be specific in your needs. I think a lot of times we pray general prayers and we just, God, would you bless my you know, house and my family and my finances? Like ask specific things. Make your requests known to God. And you might say, doesn't God know everything? Why would I need to tell him these things if he already knows everything? Yes, he knows everything, but he wants to hear it from you. There, there might be something exciting that happened at home while I was at work and uh, my wife, Cammie, she has already maybe called me and told me about the exciting thing that happened at the house while I was gone. But whenever I get home, she'll tell Rory, my daughter, she'll say, go tell dad. Go tell dad what happened. And you know what? I delight to hear it from my daughter because it's not just about having the knowledge Sometimes it's about hearing from the loved one, from the child. And he's saying there also there's just something healing about you expressing specifically what you need to God because then you know I've put this in his hands. It's not necessarily that he doesn't know, but that you need to know that he knows. And what we also have to understand is that God is our central request. That we're not just wanting all the stuff that God has to give, but we're wanting more of Him. That we want God, more of God in our life. So here it is. Anxiety is an alarm clock that says it's time to pray. And this has been so helpful for me. Anxiety is an alarm clock, it's internal, saying it's time to pray. And so if you're anxious, you say, oh, that's my soul saying, it's time to pray. I need to pray about this. Uh, there's a, an old hymn um, called, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. The lyrics go this way. Uh, what a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry. Everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. 
Have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Can we find a friend so faithful? Who will all our sorrows share? Jesus knows our every weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Are we weak and heavy burdened? Cumbered with a load of care? Precious Savior, still our refuge. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Do thy friends despise, forsake thee? Take it to the Lord in prayer. In his arms, he'll take and shield thee. Thou wilt find a solace there. I love that verse. O peace, we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear, all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. So take it to the Lord in prayer. And maybe even grab some friends, some loved ones, some believers to pray with you. I know that's what I, I do. I'm feeling overwhelmed. I'll call some friends and ask them to pray for me because we are to take it to the Lord in prayer. So we overcome anxiety with prayer, but not prayer alone. You don't just pray it away necessarily, although prayer uh, helps. It's about taking real, uh, practical steps to change your thinking and your habits and your practices that contribute to an anxious heart. And so he doesn't just end with pray about everything. He continues by saying, ponder the things of God. Look at verse 7. Um, I'm sorry, verse 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Now, now think about these things because the mind is the battleground for your soul. Everything that happens in your life starts in your mind. And so he says, think about these things. Now the word think is not just I had a thought about it. It's the idea of meditate. The New King James Version says, ruminate, meditate. The, the New American Standard says, uh, dwell. The Legacy Standard Bible says, consider. So this is, I'm pressing my mind, my thoughts on these things for a considerable amount of time. I'm meditating on it. I'm dwelling on it. These good things. These things of God. He says, whatever is true and honorable and just and pure. This is the idea of uh, right doctrine. This is what are you doing uh, to shape your mind with what is true. Think about these things. What is true about God and His Word? Think about those things. It is fascinating as you get self-help books and things of how to help anxiety. A lot of the things are just like practices. Go in deep breaths and take a walk on the beach and try to rid yourself of distraction and things like that. They go straight to practices, but what... Paul says here is that it needs to start with your thinking. And not just your thinking, don't just think about good things, think about God things. Think about what is true about God and about his word. This is 
developing true doctrine, right doctrine. Then he goes on to say, whatever is lovely, commendable, excellent, worthy of praise. These, these kind of seem to be um, speaking of pulling your affections. Whatever is lovely, commendable, these things pull my heart, my affections. So not just my mind, what I believe and what I think about, but my heart, what I feel. Whatever is lovely and commendable. It's not just about what you believe, but what you love, what you delight in. Don't just think the right things, but love the right things. So let me ask you, what do you think about? What dominates your thoughts? Is it worst case scenario type stuff? Like this thing happens and now I'm going to, you know, all these things are going to happen. It's going to be the worst thing in the world. We like to worry about all types of stuff because we feel like we're productive when we worry. If I'm worrying about it, at least I'm doing something. You feel like you don't have control over a circumstance or a situation, so all you can do is worry, and that feels like I'm doing something. But Jesus said, can can you add a single hour to your life by worrying about it? Matthew 6, can you add any time to your life by worrying about it? No. It's unproductive, but but think about this. Can you remove hours from your life by worrying about it? Possibly. From what we know about the physical effect of stress and anxiety on your body that that you potentially actually can be removing hours from your life by worrying about it, but you certainly cannot uh, add any hours to your life through worry. So what do you let in your mind every day? What consumes your thoughts? You can't be watching the news all day and expect to have peace about your future, okay? It's just not, it's not, it's not congruent, all right? I was talking to a guy who said, he said, I, I had to just quit watching politics. I just had to quit it. It was, it was too disruptive for me, and I got too into it and too consumed by it, and it's just not, it wasn't good for my soul. I'm not saying don't be informed. Be informed, but if you just have a constant loop of a political commentaries in your uh, mind, then you can't expect to have peace about the world, about the economy, about your future. You can't watch horror movies all the time and expect to have peace walking to your car at night alone. Okay? <laughs> you can't. You can't. We all love, I mean, everybody loves, they're the most pop- one of the most popular shows is murder mysteries, right? And then you think, anybody can kill me. <laughs> my kids, my parents, my neighbor, anybody could kill me at any time. So what consumes your thoughts? What consumes consumes your thoughts? What you let in shapes your mind, and many of us are just consuming garbage. We spend way too much time consuming things that disrupt our peace than consuming the things that uh, make for peace. Consuming the scriptures, singing his praises, rejoicing in the Lord pondering the things of God, pay attention to what you're paying attention to. Think about what you think about and set your mind on the things of God. Don't listen to your heart. The heart is deceitful, desperately wicked. Don't listen to your heart. Uh, Talk to your heart. We have a good example of this in the life of David in Psalm 42, um, verse 5, where, uh, I'm sorry, it's not there flipping all over the place. Psalm 42, uh, verse 5 and 6, David 
says, Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. My soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan and Hermon and from Mount Mizar. So he says, you know, don't, don't listen to your heart. Don't listen to yourself. Talk to yourself. He says, why are you cast down, O my soul? Hope in God. Set your minds on the things of God. Speak truth to your heart. Draw near to God. Don't forget who made you and who saved you. Think about Christ and His salvation of you. Worry comes from listening to your heart. Peace comes from talking to your heart. Telling it who you are in Christ. Ponder what is true. Isaiah 26.3 says, You keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you, because he trusts in you. You keep him in perfect peace. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised up against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive in obedience to Christ. Isn't that amazing? That he's like, part of the Christian life is capturing your thoughts. And you say, I can't control what I think about. I can't control what I think about. I, I kind of agree that you can't control the initial thought that comes into your mind, but you can control if you ponder it. You can't control if it enters, but you can control if it stays. And so he's like, capture your thoughts. Bring every thought captive to obey Christ. Think about what you think about. Ponder the things of God. And finally, fifthly, practice the way of God. So in verse 9, he says, What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Put into practice uh, the things that you know. This is living a life that is pleasing to God. Paul also writes in 1 Thessalonians 4.1, Finally then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that what you receive from us, how you ought to walk and to please God, just as you are doing, that you do so more and more. Just here in Philippians chapter 3, verse 17, he says, Brothers, join in imitating me. And keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example that you have in us. Now, um, so Paul says, you want to know how to deal with anxiety, look to me. Because uh, Paul had experienced plenty of difficult circumstances, hadn't he? If anyone had license to be anxious, it was Paul. Just even here, he's writing from prison to the church at Philippi. He's already been beaten several times. He's now facing the threat of persecution and death. One time, Paul was stoned, like hit with rocks, until he looked so dead that his mob left him, and even the disciples around him thought he was dead, until he got back up by the grace of God and went back and kept preaching. If anybody had reason 
to be anxious, it was Paul. But he says, I've learned to be content in whatever circumstance. I, I have learned to rely on God for peace regardless of what I'm experiencing. And so imitate me. You've seen all the difficulty I've experienced and how somehow God's peace is still with me. Imitate me. Now what you have to understand, he says, what you've, what you've heard what you have received and heard and seen in me practice these things. Well, what we have received and heard and seen in Paul is recorded in the Scriptures. Paul wrote a, a big chunk of the New Testament, so he seems to be saying, um, practice the Scriptures. Put into practice the truth of God, the way of God. Whenever you are worried or anxious, you'll be tempted to run to what is sinful for comfort. Whatever your thing is, you know, for me, obviously, it's ice cream. But whenever you're anxious, you'll be tempted to run to something to comfort you in that anxiety that is not the Lord. And he says, when instead of doing that, run to God. Do what is pleasing to God. Live righteously. Do what is right. Put into practice the things that you know. So it's not we're just sitting there and meditating on the things of God. We're allowing it to shape how we live for God. So those are the five things. How do we overcome anxiety? We um, praise the Lord always. We are pleasant to everyone. We pray about everything. Um, we ponder the things of God and we practice the way of God. And what is the result? Finally, the peace, the God of peace will be with you. The God of peace will be with you. Let's go back to verse 7 for a moment. He says, The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God. Peace is inner calm and tranquility despite circumstances. Peace is is the sense of being protected. Notice he says the peace of God will guard your hearts and minds. So there's a sense, to the peace is this sense that I'm being protected by God. Guard your hearts, that's the things that you care about, and your desires guard your mind, the things that I think about. Peace is the sense of God's, God's got me. I've got settled confidence in God. But notice he says the peace of God. Jesus uh, said in John 14, 27, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. So God's like, hey, the peace I give you is different than the peace of the world. The peace of the world is circumstantial. You are at peace when things are peaceable. When things are good, you're at peace. When things are chaotic, you're not at peace. And he's saying that's not how God's peace works. It transcends circumstances. He says here it's the peace that surpasses understanding. It's, it's peace that human understanding can't produce. Think about that. It's not that I just breathe slowly and I, I do some things 
this peace of God is something you can't produce in of yourself. It comes from God. And it doesn't make sense. Maybe you've seen some people and you're like, how can you have peace right now when, with all you're going through? How can, how can you be at peace right now? It's like, I don't know. I have no idea. It doesn't make sense to me. It's a God thing, I guess. Did you know that um, anxious people actually get irritated with people who live in peace? You notice that? Anxious people get irritated with peaceful people because they accuse you of not caring. Oh, you just don't even care. Or putting your head in the sand. Or you're in denial. Or, or you're naive. And so they get irritated by peaceful people. And he's saying, look, it's not that I don't care. It's just that I've cast my cares on the Lord. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. And so it's not that I don't care. I just trust somebody with all those cares. And he gives me his peace. And so the peace of God is beyond our ability to understand or explain. Therefore, it must be experienced. You've got to experience this to know what it's like. I can't even describe it to you. But then he goes on in verse 9 and he says, if you practice these things, the God of peace will be with you. Much better than the peace of God is the God of peace himself. When you walk closely with God, his peace comes with his presence. And therefore, when you withdraw from God, you remove your life from the source of peace. And it seems like he might be saying, in some cases, not in all, but in some cases, your anxiety might be caused by neglect of the presence of God in your life. You might be out on your own, and therefore, you're, you're disconnected from the source of peace, and so you don't have peace. I'm not saying that's it with everything, but sometimes that's the case. And I don't know about you, but I don't just want the peace of God, I want the God of peace. I don't just want what he has to give. I want him. That God is the prize. He is the reward. He is the goal. And when you live in the presence of God, you live with the peace of God. I hope that you'll experience the peace of God. All of this is only made possible through the cross of Christ. There's a verse that I love to quote in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 um, where it says, For our sake he made him, Christ, to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And so in that verse, it tells us that, that Jesus became our sin. Not that God, God made him sinful, but that he took on the punishment that our sin rightly deserves, namely death. So he, he took on our sin so that we could then take on his righteousness. Now, part of that whole thing is he took on our anxieties so that we could take on his peace. See, Jesus lost all of his peace at the cross so that you could have peace. Think about this. You ever think about the, when Jesus hung on the cross... He died screaming. Do you ever think about that? 
in, in, in Matthew 27, 46, it says, In about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And so on the cross, Jesus uh, was for a moment detached from the presence of his Father, which is the source of peace. So all, every ounce of peace was removed from him. And he was given every ounce of your anxiety and your worry so that you could have his peace. And it was terrifying. Like we kind of dramatize Christ on the cross. Like he's like, oh, you know. No, he, he, was, he died screaming. The last thing he did, Matthew 27, 50, and Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. See, most people who died of crucifixion passed out and were unconscious for hours before their actual death. Jesus went out screaming because he took on all of your anxieties so that you could experience the peace of God that comes from the God of peace. He wants you to experience that. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you. Thank you for the cross. I thank you for becoming our anxieties so that we could have your peace. can't imagine the terror, God, of having all of, of the presence of the peace of God removed and all of our anxiety is just laid on you. And you did that out of love for us. And God, I'm sure you're grieved whenever we don't walk in the peace of God, when we don't experience the God of peace. And so, Father, I just pray that your spirit would come and and do a work in our hearts, Lord. We are anxious and worrisome and, and burdened. And God, I know life is hard and a struggle and complicated, and there's so many different elements that cause these things, God, and it's not just simple. But I do pray that you would give healing to anxious hearts this morning, including my own you'd give your peace and your presence and your healing. I pray if there's anyone who has not trusted you and therefore does not have your peace, that today would be the day where they see the beauty of what you did out of love for us on the cross, taking the penalty of our sin and offering us eternal life to all who place their faith and trust in you and I pray today some would do that and experience the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, which guards our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Holy Spirit, thank you. In Jesus, we worship you today. In Jesus' name.